Hello and thank you for selecting this podcast. Today I'm joined by Mary Amarina of State Trustees, who's here to talk about wills and why we should have one. But I guess the starting point, Mary, should be, what is a will? A will is a written statement signed in compliance with a number of legal formalities and it contains an expression of the person's wishes concerning how they want their property to be distributed after their death, to whom and by whom. It doesn't come into effect until a person has passed away. It's capable of including property and it also sets out a person's wishes around things such as uh, disposal of their body, whether they want to be cremated or buried, uh, do they have some uh, particular wishes about guardianship for their children. Those sorts of things are also covered in a will. Now, who should have a will? Everybody should have a will. Anyone who owns property and possessions should have a will. A lot of people think that property and possessions are big items like homes, cars, land, money and bank accounts. But people also forget about personal items that may not have value, but they want to go to a certain person. That would cover things like jewellery, pieces of artwork, um, particular pieces of furniture. Sometimes people want their motor vehicle to go to a particular person. All those things you can cover off their distribution in your will. Uh, One of the other things that people forget about too when they're looking at do I have enough to make a will, is their superannuation and those entitlements. And nowadays, uh, a lot of people have a lot of money sitting in superannuation. I was talking to somebody the other day around my own age who doesn't have a will, and I said, why not? This person's, well, I just feel if I make a will, I'm going to die. Is that, a, is that a common response? We hear that all the time. It's a death wish. To make a will says I'm focusing on what happens when I go, and that means it's a death wish. Other reasons we have are the one I just touched upon. I don't own enough to to warrant making a will. Again, I say you'd be surprised at how much you actually own when you look at things like superannuation. Other reasons are I'm going to be around forever. I'm too young. Uh, We hear that all the time. And unfortunately, we all know that uh, that's not always the case. And the final thing is, oh, yes, I know I have to do that, but I'm far too busy. I'll get around to when I need to. Um, And often we hear that uh, when people are planning an overseas trip, that's the prompter um, because suddenly they start thinking about, uh, I can't make that on too busy excuse any longer. You said earlier that everybody should have a will. Um, Basically, who can make a will? I mean, what's the age limit if if there is such a thing? Anyone over the age of 18 can make a will. Um, People under 18 can actually make a will as well if they've been married or if they have the permission of the Supreme Court. But generally, it's people who reach their adulthood uh, and that's the appropriate time to start thinking about making a will. You talked about capacity. What does that actually mean? Um, Capacity is where you have the mental ability to understand what a a will is, what the document, uh, what its effect is. Um, You will choose in a will an executor, that is the person who is going to make sure that your wishes and directions are carried out. So you need to be able to understand uh, the authority that that document gives to that executor. So capacity is really having that knowledge. There's lots of tests around capacity. Um, Certainly as we get older, capacity becomes a a more important issue uh, with the rise of dementia and Alzheimer's. Um, Capacity can be an issue for the elderly. It's certainly understanding what the document means and the importance of that document and what power your executor is going to have. I imagine that one area that a lot of people would be very interested in is the um, capacity, if you like, for one person to contest the wishes contained in a will. Uh, can a will be contested? It can. There's no such thing as an ironclad will. 
in Victoria, our law provides that anybody can contest a will. In the old days, it used to be just family members, but nowadays it's anybody. So we see claims at state trustees. Sometimes we see claims from people as diverse as grandchildren. Um, we see carers. We see next door neighbours, all sorts of people. And all of those people contest the will on the basis that they believe that they should have been left something by the person who's passed away. Or alternatively, they have been left something, but they haven't been left enough. And they're seeking a greater share in the person's estate. What is a testator and what must the testator consider? Well, what they need to consider if they're, they're looking at ensuring um, that their will won't be challenged. And again, I stress you can't write an ironclad will, so you can never ensure that your will won't be challenged. But if you're wanting to make a will that's unlikely to be challenged, you think about uh, do you have a responsibility to make provision for a particular person? Um, that particular person might be a child. It might be someone who has you have made representations to that you are going to leave them something in your will. Um, if, if you do feel that you have that responsibility, then you need to think about whether the provision that you have made is enough to discharge that responsibility. So looking at a child, if you feel that there's a responsibility to provide for that child, has the share you've given that child, is that uh, appropriate to discharge that responsibility? And if it isn't, what would be sufficient? And really, that's why you need legal advice, because someone can sit down with you and, and go through the family dynamics, go through the people that are involved in your life and help you determine um, who you should consider and in considering them, what would be a reasonable share of your estate. OK, well, let's assume for a moment that a, a will does become the subject of legal action. Uh, what will the court consider? The court has to have a look at a number of factors, and they're all set out actually in legislation. Um, but they include things like the nature of the relationship and where relevant, the length of the relationship be between the person making the claim and the person who has passed away. They'll also look at whether the person who's passed away had any obligations or responsibilities to the person making the claim or to any other person or any other beneficiary of the estate. They'll look at the size and the nature of the estate. Obviously, the smaller the estate, uh, the less likely that people will challenge. But again, if they do challenge, uh, the less there is to divvy up. They'll also look at uh, financial resources, uh, including the earning capacity of the claimant, uh, the earning capacity and the financial resources of other applicants, if there's more than one, other beneficiaries. And they'll look at those both at the current time and also into the future. And finally, they'll look at whether there's been any benefits previously given by the uh, deceased to the claimant or to any beneficiary. They're just some of the considerations. They're the main ones. Um, but certainly, it's a, for a court, um, there's a lot of things to take into account. It's a real minefield by the Absolutely. sound of it. Absolutely. Mm. What, what are the potential consequences of a claim? If there is a claim, it means that the administration can't be finalised. Uh, depending upon the nature of the claim... That can take a very long time and it is also very, very expensive. Whilst the court can award costs against the unsuccessful party, be that the estate or the person making the claim, the norm is that the court will order all of the costs to be paid from the estate. So really when there is a claim, it diminishes the value of the estate uh, by an amount equivalent to the legal costs. And in this day and age, uh, when you've got uh, warring parties, court costs, etc., uh, an estate can, can really uh, diminish very, very quickly. 
Well, finally, Mary, what happens if someone dies without a will? If there isn't a will, it doesn't mean that your estate can't be administered. What it does mean is that a piece of legislation comes into play and the, that legislation provides that your estate will be distributed in accordance with the laws of intestacy, intestacy being dying without a will. In that event, usually your next of kin takes, but what happens is someone needs to step forward and apply to the court to be granted the right to distribute your estate in accordance with that formula. And the formula sets out who gets what. The formula provides that spouses and partners take first, then children. There's a, the, a list of next of kin that take in turn. The key thing about dying without a will is that you don't get to choose. Um, the legislation provides for that distribution and unless someone wants to bring a claim, then that le- legislation uh, sets out who takes and in what order. Maria Marina. And if you'd like to know more about wills and making one, please call State Trustees on 03 or visit their website www.statetrustees.com.au.